Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo, Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Listen. Welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat, IGN's Nintendo podcast. This week we will be talking about Mario Golf Super Rush overview trailer, all of the characters they announced, all of the different modes, and there's just a lot to dissect in there. And we'll also be talking about the really cute but also questionable Skyward Sword amiibo that seems to lock a gameplay mechanic behind its purchase and a lot more, especially some topics that Tom might be uh, very passionate about. I don't know if you can <laughs> guess what that is, but we'll get to it soon. But 
I'm your host, Casey DeFritis, and this week I am joined by Brian Altano. Hey, it's good to see you all again. It's been a minute. Yeah, man. And Kat Bailey. A wildcat appears. Command. Perfect. <laughs> and Tom Marks. Hello. Hi. Welcome. Hi. I'm so glad you all could make it, Brian. I know it's been way too long. Kat, I know that you appeared while Seth was guest hosting a little while back, but I'm happy to have you back and to finally be on a podcast with you. Um, let's start it off with the Mario Golf Super Rush overview trailer. There is so much information and so much more information that came out even beyond this overview trailer, but it looks so much fun. These new additions look great. So just very quick overview. There are There's the basic multiplayer mode that we all expected and love with four player multiplayer, local and online play. There's also speed golf which I'll get into in a second. There's also Battle Golf, which is kind of like Speed Golf, but with uh, some special rules. And then there's Golf Adventure, which is a golf RPG with your me that you can then get points to put into stats. It all looks great. It looks awesome. Um, Tom, Brian, I know you're looking at this for the first time. So let me explain this to you. Hopefully I do as good of a job as... (laughs) <laughs> the trailer did but speed golf is a frantic mode that lets you and up to three friends tee off at once and then race to your balls after you hit them and speed is the name of the game and your goal is to be the first to get your ball in the hole so everyone goes at the same time it is a frantic free-for-all where you're just trying to get your ball in the hole faster now, than anyone else now what is golf can you go can you go back <laughs> a little bit no this uh <laughs> yeah i'm actually looking at this for the first time um when the trailer hit uh i was a little preoccupied with some other stuff but I'm looking at it now and I'm very into it. This game looks gorgeous. I, I, I noticed some stuff uh, that people were kind of picking apart in the way the, uh, the layout of the courses is. They're all sort of interconnected, which is really smart. It, it, it gave me sort of uh, kind of like a Woohoo Island kind of vibe where there's this natural kind of overview setting here uh, that compartmentalizes all the courses within it, which is really cool. And I imagine that's also part of almost a necessity for speed golf too right because since everyone is just going at the same time potentially they could have you just do multiple holes in a row without stopping we don't know if that's the case yet but like that that that's i agree i think it's a really cool cool world to build out action golf with nintendo i love it yeah this game is really cool it looks really really cool i really Uh, like uh bowser's like guy fieri costume A lot of the characters have really interesting, like funny costumes, like Waluigi's mm. pinstripe suit. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I know, Mario like, and fashion I, totally. I like the addition of King Bomb on, but also like where the heck did Charge and Chuck come from? Like why? The I I don't know whether I hate or entirely respect Nintendo for foot- putting a football player in a golf game. <laughs> um, it, it's us. just the audacity of it is amazing to me. And I like I saw it at first and I was like, that's a dumb character. And then I thought about it for like a half second more. And I was like, OK, this is kind of brilliant. <laughs> like he literally it has, has to be an in yeah. joke. Yeah, he literally it has to be ha- an in joke, right? Yeah. At Camelot, they're like, yeah. well, what about charging Chuck? Ah. Yeah, he literally has really a move where he they never really explained why he was in Super Mario World to begin with. Right. Like there's not right you know he also doesn't he also throw baseballs in that game what in this game oh my gosh he does he's just a he's just a sporto yeah in this game he has a move where he hits the ball up with his club catches it and throws it at the hole as like his power shot gotta be illegal that's what i said he's just a Um, sports guy yeah he's just well i'm gonna be the sports (laughs) 
I'm going to be playing as Charge and Chuck because I am all in favor of Nintendo's deep cuts whenever they do these sports games. I'm always going to pick the most obscure character possible. Mm-hmm. I like. I appreciate I mean, Wario I guess... is dressed like he's like a corrupt dean in like a 70s college movie. It's very weird. <laughs> I like. I don't know about his outfit. I'm into it though. Yeah. I also just wanted to quickly mention Battle Golf is like Speed Golf, but there are nine holes on one single course, and players are tasked with being the first to claim three holes. So it's just a complete golf free for all. First to get three holes wins. Uh, I wonder. I, that sounds like a lot of fun. If it was even more than four players as well, I wonder if they would ever do that. More than four. But I was also really intrigued by golf adventure. So it's not just like it's not just like a golf tournament it's you are in a town and you're being tasked to do different activities that have to do with golf like oh do you think you can get this ball into this big pot like just random stuff like that so you're talking to uh super mario characters who are asking you to do things for them it just looks really cute and cool like i don't know i didn't expect to be as interested in this game as i did because wow mario golf like i played it before like there's only so much entertainment i can get out of playing golf with friends but there seems to be so much more to this game than just doing the same like golf tournament repeatedly what what was up with the koopa with the like the jedi robe back there i have some questions seems like he he has questions for you too (laughs) uh yeah this is always the question to me with nintendo with mario sports games is like how for lack of a better term like how ham are they going right like it's they can either oftentimes be like play it safe and just sort of be fun but forgettable or they can go all out and this one feels like it's going all out and is doing Mm -hmm. a lot more than i would necessarily expect from it which is exciting Mm -hmm. yeah the last mario sports game was a little bit underwhelming i think that was mario tennis aces it got a 75 on metacritic and I sort of felt like I'm hopeful that Mario Golf is going to be a bit better, not the least because Mario Golf is one of the most venerable Nintendo sports games out there. It goes all the way back to at least the Game Boy, possibly further. So and it has kind of a rich history uh, across the Nintendo 64 and whatnot. So I think that maybe out of all of the Mario sports games, Mario Golf might actually be the best one so and golf is a weirdly flexible game there's a game for the sega genesis called i think battle golf for yui which is about you fighting anime supervillains through golf which is great so amazing more of that please we, and we also had do you think this will be it'll probably be totally different but i'm just making the very base high like very base level comparison to golf story mm. Did you guys ever play Golf Story? Have you guys? Yeah, played Golf I, re- Story? I reviewed yeah. Golf yeah. Story. Does the RPG mode in this look at any way similar to that? Somewhat, but we'll have to see, right? Because the thing with Golf Story was that it was like a very linear s- story, right? That you then did like side quest stuff outside or around. So, like, we'll have to see how much this actually has like a story, or is more like just walk around the town and do quest sort of things. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't tell entirely from this yeah, trailer yet. I also wanted to bring up that the me that you raise the stats with while you're playing in golf RPG, you can bring that me over to all of the other types of games. You can allocate your points between power, stamina, speed, control, and spin to improve it however you want, and then take it to another place. And I wonder if there's going to be like some sort of like Mario Golf meta where there's one me to beat them all. Like if you want to win and speed Mario and et cetera. Oh, I'm sure eventually i want to have arguments over a mario golf meta it's gonna be great 
I'm I sure mean, it'll be every bit as great as a Super Smash Brothers meta. Is there something wrong with me that my brain immediately goes like, this is going to be a meta for every single game that I look at? Other you people meta do brain. that. It's okay. It's it's a it's a video game thing. It's gonna happen. It's fine. I think it's normal. Also, it's fine. Also, we can just have fun with it. It's fine. You don't need a meta. Just play your favorite character, and that's all that matters. I just recently started doing that with Smash, where I'm not picking the best character every time. I'm just like, I'm just gonna have fun and use a different character, and it's okay if I don't win every time. It's it's a you're revelation. Not a Fox, you're not a Fox Final Destination player anymore. I'm not. <laughs> I used to be a Pikachu Final Destination player only. That was it. Ooh. Now I have I have strayed away. I'm playing hey, different characters now. It's fun. I'm really proud of you. I appreciate it. I'm proud you're, of myself. Playing different you're characters. You're making concrete steps forward, and that's what's important. <laughs> we'll help you. We're here for you. But I also wanted to mention the full roster a little bit more. There are 16 characters. We already mentioned Charging Chuck and King Bama, but there are a bunch of other characters that you expect to be in these sort of games, like Wario and Waluigi, Yoshi, Daisy. Uh, pa uh, Pauline is... This is a first in a Mario sports game for her, I believe. So that's cool. And Logan, our uh, production assistant, also wanted to point out that Mario and Luigi are speed type characters in this game. And usually in sports games, they're always the all around type characters. So yeah. that's an interesting uh, step away from what they normally do. And I'm wondering if it's because Nintendo knows that speed characters will have an advantage in the speed and battle modes. Mm. I That's wonder if it's because Nintendo wants you to actually pick Mario because <laughs> Mario is always the all rounder. So nobody ever actually picks him because he's mm. he just doesn't have any advantage in any category. And then maybe Nintendo's going, maybe we should give Mario an advantage. Maybe maybe our mascot should actually be like good. I don't know if I'm like, like weird or boring or both, but I, I like usually pick Mario in in games where I have the option, especially Mario Kart. I don't know why I've. I've just I, I think I've been playing as Mario for so long that if I switch to somebody else, everything feels off to me. Really? Yeah, I'm boring. I don't know what to tell you. I played I as know. Rob in Smash Brothers, so, you know, Oh, that's that's interesting. That's a cool, interesting pick. <laughs> I, I don't know. I never pick Mario. I always use I always pick Yoshi and in Mario Kart, I pick Toad because mm. he's light and I could use the bullet bill cart in Double Dash. Yeah, I think I, I like usually Peach and I like Koopa Troopa. Mm -hmm. Those are my two. Koopa, I'm a big fan of Koopa too. I usually go for like the like the Boos or the Koopas or Toad. Those are usually my picks. I'm disappointed. Dry Bones isn't in here. I like Dry Bones. Yeah, just a mm. skeleton Koopa. He's spooky. I like him. But I'll go over to King Bomb instead because he <laughs> spawns bombs in landing landing zones. By the way, they all have different powers that can do stuff. So that might be a. a an impactful decision on you as well as to who you're going to pick. But I think that's about it for the Super Golf. The Mario Golf. I wanted to say Super Mario Golf Super Rush. That's not. No. Mario Golf Super Rush overview trailer. I'm sure we're getting more information about this soon. This comes out in late June, very soon, in a little over a month, I believe. Maybe less than a month. But. I wanted to move on to some other news that at first I was like, oh, cool. And then I was like, wait. And this is the announcement of Skyward Sword Amiibo. So the Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword Amiibo is going to be Zelda and a Loftwing. It is very cute. It looks nice. It is very expensive at $25. And I guess that is to be expected with a an Amiibo that is big. And I guess it is technically like two figures in one, right? Like you're getting a Zelda and a Loftwing. And it, it's not... 
Uh, I guess it's not big, big, but since it's a lot it of is plastic. two characters, right, right. It's because the base is this is the regular size as, as your average amiibo, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I guess so, but yeah, it's all right. It's expensive. It's going to come out the same day as Legend of Zelda: Skyward Sword on July sixteenth. However, it includes a game mechanic that is not going to be included in the base game without this amiibo, and it, you can use it to return to the sky. I feel like without context, this isn't going to make any sense. So if you haven't played Skyward Sword, uh, the game is kind of separated into two different places, the sky and the surface. And the surface is a bunch of different locations. It's where your dungeons are. That's where you're doing your exploring. And the sky is where the town is and where you go on your loft wing, which is that giant. Uh, what, what are they called? The shoe bills, giant shoe bills fly around. And you have to go to different beams of light in the sky to then go down to the surface in certain places. So in the original game, the only way to go back to the sky was to go and find these bird statues and then you can go back to the sky and then you would find one of those beams of light that would then send you back down to a different statue if you so choose. Mm -hmm. This amiibo allows you to fast travel to the sky whenever you want, even in a dungeon, and it allows you to return immediately to the point where you just teleported from even within a dungeon. So... It's a really cool quality of life, fast travel um, addition, but you will not be able to use this new fast travel game mechanic unless you have the Loftwing Amiibo. This year, I decided I actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals. So I subscribed to a service that streams all of the NHL to your television, uh, the Boston Bruins home opener. I went to watch it and boom. Blackout restrictions apply, which I thought was kind of ridiculous because I'm still 200 miles away from Boston, but whatever. Had I had NordVPN, that wouldn't have been a problem. I would have just gone in, changed my settings to another geographic area, and boom, I could have been watching all the Boston Bruins home games like it was nothing at all. So now I have NordVPN and I can watch the home games of my local teams streaming without being frustrated. It's the same thing with like Netflix. It has all these complicated licensing rules, which from one country to another don't really make sense. So something you could watch on South Korean Netflix, you won't be able to watch on the United States Netflix unless NordVPN, boom, switch to South Korea and you're watching whatever Korean drama that you want I highly recommend you do that. I haven't done it myself, but people seem to enjoy them. And who am I to try to bring down people's enjoyment? Uh, NordVPN, more than just entertainment and sports availability, it's going to protect you, especially when you're traveling, when you're using public Wi-Fi. People are trying to get in there. They're creeping on you. Bad actors, people trying to steal your password, your bank account details. Who knows what the government's doing these days? I can't keep track. They're all over the damn place. NordVPN... It's going to protect you. It's going to protect up to six devices because I know you have at least that many devices in front of you right now that can hook up to the internet. Boom. Fastest VPN in the world. You're not going to get any buffering. You're not going to get any lagging. Uh, it's going to stop your ISP from bandwidth throttling, which they do. That's kind of sneaky, especially how much you're paying those guys. There's threat protection to protect you from viruses and malicious malware and whatever else. Uh, um unsavory actors are out there. If you want to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. That's nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. Victor Charlie. 
Uh, that link is also going to give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There is no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nice of them, and I appreciate that. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. I hate this. Is this okay? (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty rough uh, by Nintendo. And I think that Nintendo is deservedly getting pushback for effectively locking a key quality of life improvement behind what is um, amounts to physical DLC. And $25 is an incredibly steep price for it. I mean, in the past, they've had bonus content behind their Amiibos. For example, they had a uh, Twilight Princess, Midna and the Wolf link, uh, which unlocked uh, special features. But And I, I'm a little like, okay, maybe that's like physical DLC, but this is like a key quality of life improvement to something that was actually kind of annoying in Skyward Sword. So mm-hmm. I'm surprised that Nintendo made that decision. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like the, the sort of, if, if, if the ideology behind Amiibo to begin with was always like, here's a really cool figurine that also uh, creates an additive value to your video games by unlocking something or having some sort of mechanic, something interesting to it that made it more than just a figurine. Right. Um, but I feel like they've, you know, there's the sort of like cart before the horse type of thing that's happened here or like a chicken and egg scenario where now instead of just getting a cool figurine, they feel like to justify it, they have to put a feature on it. Um, and uh, it's they're holding back that feature from people who don't have the item. And that's kind of a bummer because uh, I would love to just, you know, be able to say that Nintendo's making cool merchandise. Like, I, I feel like we're, you know, years and years into the Amiibo game now. I don't really necessarily feel like they have to do stuff like this. This is this once went from being like this massive market for them to being something that I think like hardcore collectors are swooping up individual uh, amiibo at this point. I don't think uh, only a small group of people are still collecting every single one. People like Pear, right? Like Pear gets every amiibo. Totally understandable. I get it. There are collectors out there that love them all. I, as you can see, I have a bunch of junk behind me. I love collecting stuff. <laughs> but to to me, like the the value proposition of this thing doesn't really add up. This is a beautiful figure. It's uh, you know, it's really well done. But for $25, if you look at like what you can get for in other toy markets, like that can get you a, you know, a Star Wars Black Series figure for 20 bucks with our points of articulation, accessories, you know, uh claw, you know, soft goods, all this cool yeah. stuff. Um Hasbro uh, makes Marvel Legends. You know, if you want to get like a a Thanos or something like that, you can get a figure in that scale. Like these are fully articulate six inch scale figurines. And this is a Amiibo that's like three inches tall. It's, you know, a fraction of the size. It doesn't have any articulation. It's gorgeous. But for $25, we're looking at twice the price of what Amiibo launched at just, you know, a few years back. And so uh, 
adding that plus paywalling this feature uh, that should be accessible to everybody because you know the, when when Wind Waker launched, like quality of life stuff was abound in that on the Wii U version of that game, and I would like to see that stuff here in the base game too. So I I don't know how they fix that. I really I, I really wish they would just make that feature accessible for everybody. Yeah, yeah, Brian, and that's not even taking into account the fact that there might be shortages. Yeah, with this There's particular amiibo, percent will be shortages. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. people will not be able to get a hold of it. Like the the Monster Hunter amiibo weren't even that. Like they didn't even introduce that integral features. Like they offered layered armor, which was cool, but it's not going to change the way you play the game. And those were incredibly hard to get. Yeah, I I think there's a couple things that are important to point out, which is. This isn't the first time, like Brian was saying, this isn't the first time Nintendo has sold DLC through Amiibo like this. Um, it isn't the first time that, and also, like you said, this is a really pretty figure, right? Like, the, all of these things can be true, and also this still be really, really frustrating. Because, like, I think what it comes down to is what, what Kat was saying also of, like, it's different, and also what Casey just said, it's different than just like a cosmetic where this is a complaint that people had with the game that mm. this thick, like this is a thing that it, it would be like if Sky, uh, Wind Waker HD, if that faster sale was locked behind an amiibo, right? Where yes. you'd just be like, why? Like, Very actually, fun. I think that this is worse than that if they had locked that sale behind an amiibo, honestly, like in the terms of how good this quality of life feature is. Um, the thing that frustrates me about it is Kat's totally right. There's going to be like, no one's going to be able to buy this thing because it's going to sell out. But even if this wasn't tied to a physical thing, even if this was $5 DLC for this feature that you could just download digitally, I'd be furious about this because it's just, it's, this is like a basic quality of life feature where you're already adding basic quality of life features to this game. So mm -hmm. why are you cutting this one out to sell it? Like, I just don't get the logic behind that at all. And I think that very clearly Nintendo, just like, like you were saying, Brian is looking to add value to these things. And in this case, overstepped. Yeah. Yeah, Tom. And I think that, well, a couple points first, this is my conspiracy theory hat. I think that Nintendo uh, is looking at the potential sales of Skyward Sword HD and going, we really need to get as much money out of this as humanly possible. And so they made this decision to try and quote unquote add value to the Amiibo so that they can potentially get more revenue off this game that let's be totally honest, Skyward Sword isn't the most popular Zelda and isn't generating a huge amount of excitement. Maybe I'm sure the Skyward Sword fans are going to come in and yell at me a whole bunch for saying this thing, but that's just my personal opinion. I mean, I, the second I, thing I'm is, a big Skyward Sword apologist and I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and the second thing is we decided collectively a while ago that we can kind of deal with DLC and paywalled features if it's cosmetic. But when you start putting gameplay features behind a paywall, that becomes a big problem. And the connection that I would draw is actually to when EA was putting a character progression behind loot boxes and that kind of thing. And frankly, if this were EA, if EA were releasing a little figure that had a key quality of life uh, improvement to say one of their Star Wars games, they would be just freaking ex excoriated. They would be this would be a major blow up for like a solid week. So Nintendo, in its own weird way, is getting a little bit of a pass for what I think is actually kind of unacceptable. Yeah, yeah. 
I completely agree there. I was going to say too, um, Skyward Sword HD I mean, it is a is a portable game. I mean, it's a it's it's a Switch game, right? But this is a game that you theoretically should be able to bring everywhere. So also having this uh, feature locked behind a piece of plastic. I don't know if that's something you're going to have to repeatedly scan or bring with you everywhere. Um, I didn't even think about that because yeah, yeah, I think I you mean, do have oh to repeat. God. I think you have to scan it every time <laughs> yeah, you go up time. and every time you go back. So it's I did also, not even think about that. Yeah, and I to me it's like it's also if you think about you know I brought up Wind Waker uh, HD uh, when it came to Wii U there was like a special collector's edition version of it where you could get like a Ganon figure that mm-hmm. wasn't an amiibo because amiibo wasn't really a thing back then I, I or at least I don't believe it was um, and so uh, they're capable of making just figures they can just make a statue or a toy and I wish they had done that here because instead you have this thing that has to be amiibo and so it has to have this functionality. It's also you look at the value proposition of this when this game originally launched Skyward Sword launched bundled with a Wii Motion Plus controller and a soundtrack CD. And now there's a special edition controller sold separately. There's no Mm -hmm. soundtrack CD because nobody has CD players anymore. And there's an Amiibo that you have to buy separately if you can even find it. And so like I I feel like and and keep in mind, the game is 60 bucks. And so not only did they. You know, they've updated it a little bit. You know, they, they've there's some new tweaks. There's some new control options. Um, it has HD next to the name now, so I imagine it's going to look better. But it does seem like a lot of the physical goods that were packaged originally with this with this game are now stripped away and being kind of mined out for parts. And I'm not super crazy about that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I even... The, I, man, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just looking at this now. That limited edition gold controller bundle for Skyward Sword was mm-hmm. $70. Right. Which means That's you got a crazy. controller, a, a, a soundtrack CD, and the full game for ten dollars more than you're getting just the game right now. Yeah, the- Nintendo knows it can get away with it too because no. it yeah. has a hyper engaged and ravenous fan base, and they're setting themselves up as kind of this premium hobbyist thing, which isn't actually a terrible move on their that, that front. Like, I don't mind paying extra for Nintendo junk, honestly. Yeah, but. I mean, I'm because I'm a Nintendo to, fan. I'm going to try to buy this amiibo, which is like the most yeah. frustrating part of this. It's a beautiful amiibo. The, it really is. The Link's Awakening amiibo is one of my favorite things they've ever done. That's one of my favorite games ever made. I could not. I, I Casey, I helped you with the guide for that game. I literally don't remember what that amiibo does because I don't care. It's it's on <laughs> yeah. my it's on oh, my shelf it's and pretty. it looks it looks cute. Yeah. That's that's what it does. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. Yeah. most most amiibo. I don't really remember what they do. I mean, except the that Twilight Princess Wolf amiibo, like that was a cool little feature, but it wasn't like game breaking or necessary. A lot of them are just like even the the Monster Hunter ones, like the layered armor or allowing you to get like free items every day. I think most amiibo, that's what they do. They get you like some free junk every day in game, which is nice, but not a huge bonus or anything like they could have done so many other cool things with this amiibo that did not completely changed the way you could play this game like they could have made it like oh like uh scan this amiibo and it'll change the color of your uh giant shoe bill your loft wing it's like i would i would have bought it just for that it's like i want different colored loft wings i will buy this for that but Mm. and like it's it's (laughs) worth pointing out and and i'm not encouraging Uh, this but there is an entire market of people uh who do make amiibo cards that have all the functionality of the figures but cost you know pennies so I'm just saying that's yeah, fair. and are portable. <laughs> that's, that's how I got Fang and Animal Crossing. It was great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Necessary. The the thing the thing I keep coming back to, or like the comparison I keep coming back to in my head, is like Assassin's Creed got a lot of crap for selling like those progress boosts or whatever they were calling them in in yeah. 
those games and like I never really had a problem with those because it was just sort of like it's a single player game. If you want to buy experience points or items like, you know, that's your money. I'm not going to tell you how to spend your money and you do what you want. But if Assassin's Creed had an item that was only like was like an integral gameplay feature or like an like a fast travel thing that was only available through a DLC, suddenly I'd be like, oh, wait that's weird and i don't yep. like that's that's an odd thing to to package and that's exactly what nintendo is doing except they're also locking it behind like we were saying this scarce plastic object yeah no i, I wanna... think both of you nailed it uh like I, if, if to, to to break this down if ea or ubisoft did this there would be hell to pay right now like people would be screaming about it but when the beloved you know 200 year old toy company does it it's like ah oh, it's you guys are cute great love the bird <laughs> I want to send us back in time to 2007, 2006, when we were all complaining about $5 horse armor (laughs) of Livian and just be like, but look what happened. Yeah. Yeah, it has evolved into way, way worse than that. Jeez. But we complained. We tried. We tried to make it stop. They just kept going. (laughs) I, I guess general consensus is that this is not okay, Nintendo. We're not happy with it but also we know so many people are just going to buy it that it's gonna it's not there's no reason for them to change yeah there's no reason for them to, to fix this it's unfortunate. Like, I don't, yeah um if it weren't so pretty man it is just such a pretty amiibo too if it weren't so pretty it wouldn't be so painful i'm sure nintendo's really calculus pretty. is that the amount of money that they're going to make off this is totally worth the one day news cycle where people are mad about it. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I mean, unless I don't know, like what if when people re-review this and they don't have this quality of life feature, they're going to think about like, if only I had the fast travel built into the game, I would have scored this game so much more because it would have been so much better. But now they don't have that. Well, Skyward Sword has its own issues, specifically when it comes to pacing. So I, I don't say, know if yeah. that's going to fix that. Yeah, I know it won't. I was just being cheeky. It's fine. I don't know. Maybe some people really hated it. I know like um, the original system made it especially annoying if you're trying to 100% the game and had to like backtrack to places. There's kind of a lot of backtracking in Skyward Sword already. So yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, no, I was interested in giving this game another chance because I, I, you know, like many of you, when it came out, I'd like I liked it, but I didn't like it. It was definitely not my favorite 3D Zelda. Uh, but this is like stuff like this is not it's not helping, you know, like there's I, I'm, I'm hoping there's like we don't really know how many sort of quality of life features are happening behind the scenes this time around. Um, but I hope this isn't the only big one and it's it's stuck to a bird. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess we'll find out. General consensus, the Skyward Sword amiibo locking a fast travel quality of life game mechanic behind it is not okay by us. Don't know how you can fix it. Please, please fix it. I know complaining without offering solutions is not in good taste, but uh, we don't we don't work there. So that's not our problem to figure out a solution. Please, please find one. The solution is everyone gets fast travel. There there we go. You get fast travel and you get fast travel. Thank you, Nintendo, I, in advance for this solution that we have just suggested to you. <laughs> but there is more news besides the Zelda Amiibo we just talked about and the Mario Golf Super Rush trailer. And this, I assume, uh, Tom might be a little bit sad about. Uh, the headline is, don't expect Hollow Knight Silk Song at E3. 
Team Cherry has no announcements or blogs planned, and according on Discord, pointed out in the Hollow Knight subreddit. And uh, Silk Song was last seen in E3 2019. What's going on, Tom? I am numb. <laughs> no. no so uh this is this is not this is disappointing it's disappointing here this isn't going to be at e3 um it is not entirely unexpected and it's not like a devastating blow to me because the way team cherry operates and we've always known this about this development team is they like to keep their heads down until they have something to actually talk about and show it's a small team right like the the team that did all the art and coding i believe for uh, the first game was two people, and like since then they've hired a third, right? Like it is not. This is they're a really small team. They work very intimately on their stuff, and they they make sure that when they're ready, they they show it when they're ready. Um, it's a little bit funny that we haven't seen anything yet because they had like I played the demo at E3 2019, right? And like it was in a really good state. And obviously E3 demos are these polished vertical slices that are not entirely representative of where the whole game is at by any means. But like it was so like tangible then that I would have thought we would have had it by now. But I'm also absolutely not in any rush because I know that the more time that this team takes to make exactly what they want to make, the better it is going to be for Silk Song. So they can they can take, yeah, I'm really hungry for new info, but they can take literally all the time they want in the world to make this game. I I kind of appreciate the recent trend of reverse E3 announcements where people are <laughs> like, we, we're not going to be at E3. Like that's, I, I, it feels like something Nintendo did a couple of years ago too, where they were just like, this won't be there. This won't be there. This won't be there. And you're like, okay, well that's, I have, you know, I can kind of level my expectations a little bit now. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, yeah. And, and to be fair to like, to, to their credit, they have been doing teases and things little in community engagement stuff with their discord and their Reddit. So it's not like they've like completely fallen off the map. Right. Like I'm not. I'm not at all worried that this game is like in development hell or anything. I think they're just taking their time. Yeah. And yeah. as usual, the pandemic messes with everything. I don't know what their work from home status is and everything, but I, everybody, everybody is being delayed right now. So I'm yeah. not surprised that Hollow Knight is taking more time. And frankly, they could put out a, a reveal, like a trailer like a week before it comes out and everybody would be super hyped and be ready to go. So they don't necessarily have to show anything before they're ready. Mm -hmm. I think those are very level-headed, well-thought-out responses. And I think that's, that's all we can say about it. That said, Still watching this trailer again is like physically causing me pain because I'm like, it's so pretty. I want to play it now. It's gorgeous. My God, the animation on some of the larger enemies. I'm just like, OK, I'm ready to go. Let's play some more Hollow Knight. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in, in the middle of replaying Hollow Knight for the four, was... fourth, fifth, I don't know, time um, right now. And like, it is really incredible to look at the visual changes that they've made in this game, it, like compared to that side by side is like they've really done an amazing thing to kind of add richness add depth add color in places that the original didn't quite have yeah the original was very blue and this one seems to be to have many more colors and i actually kind of appreciate that even down uh to hornet the I, she's named hornet right um yeah with the uh with with a little bit of red as opposed to black i think that helps a lot 
Yeah, this looks it looks beautiful. It looks great. And I am so excited for both of you. Tom, I was going to recommend that you start replaying it just to like, you know, get used to it again before to hold you over. But you're already doing it. So, oh, yeah, <laughs> Wait, I don't yeah. know what else I would have expected. <laughs> So, yeah, that's slightly disappointing, but like they said, we'll see uh, Hollow Knight Silk Song when Team Cherry is ready, and then it'll be beautiful and wonderful and fantastic regardless. But available, not not right now, but soon, these games are going to come out on May 26th. There are new Nintendo Switch online games have been announced, and this with this collection will surge the number of games over 100. Man, that was a weird way to say that. There will be more than 100 <laughs> classic games available to through the Nintendo Switch online subscription, which is a lot. And the games coming on May 26 include a bunch of Super Nintendo games, including Super Baseball Simulator 1, 1.0 or 1000. One of those. Caveman Ninja, which is also known as Joe and Mac. Magical Drop 2, Spanky's Quest. And on the NES, we have Ninja Jajamaru-kun. And... Kat, I know that you are specifically excited about a few of these games. Yeah, I'm really excited about Magical Drop 2 because one of the things that I really enjoyed about the Super Nintendo version in particular is that we've been getting a lot of random import puzzle games. Like we got Puyo Puyo. We got another game. I can never remember its name, honestly, but I actually play those games a lot. They're really beautiful on the Super Nintendo. They weren't easily easy to obtain back in the day. And I think that's just a huge value add. Traditionally, Magical Drop 2 has been more of a Neo Geo puzzler, but it's also very good on the Super Nintendo. It never came out here. Uh, there was some discussion online uh, because apparently this was fan translated, but this is not a fan translation. This is an official Western release. So it's a little bit of a underrated ad, but I, I think it's great. The rest of the games that are coming out, uh, Spanky, Spanky's Quest is interesting because it's from uh, Natsume. I don't know a huge amount about it, but it has um, a small fan base. And then Joe and Mac, uh, there's been like some groundswell for a reboot of it. I think that it's a bit of a 16-bit artifact, but um, and honestly, I thought it was already out, but so goes. Um, out of all of these, different caveman game got added. But out, out of all of these, Magical Drop Two is definitely the one that I'm most excited about. But of course, all the discourse on Twitter as soon as this game, all of these games got announced, was "Where's Earthbound?" And I didn't realize that Earthbound on SNES Online was such a conversation until it was actually literally trending on Twitter. So, and I mean, I would love to have it on the SNES Online, but I think it speaks to a kind of a deeper thing of people want games that they recognize and maybe not the extremely deep cuts that Nintendo routinely releases on Nintendo switch online. Mm -hmm. It's on, it's on the SNES classic, right? It is. Yes. Yeah. So I think that's, that's probably where that conversation came from. Cause it's like, they're like, if it's there, then why isn't it here? Uh, which, you know, I, I guess I'm kind of sympathetic with, but you're, I think you're totally right. Like this is, for me, this has been an interesting experiment for them to bring weirder, deeper cut games to the Switch that I probably wouldn't have ever thought of playing. Um, whereas like the SNES Classic was, you know, here is the definitive legacy of the system or as close as we can get to approximating that, you know, with some help from some third parties. But either way, like this, this feels more like uh, it, it's hovering around where virtual console used to get close to, which is bringing in a bunch of... Uh, third parties to do stuff that uh we probably forgot about you know um uh, that system or that that era had saw a lot more support 
And it's cool to see them slowly but surely reaching that again. Uh, although, you know, it's it's different this time. You're not buying them piecemeal. You're they're you know, they keep adding more value to this thing. So yeah, I'd I'd love Earth, Earthbound. I you know, I, it's I, I feel like no matter what they do, no matter what they add, people are gonna keep asking for it. So they can't wait until they add that. Yeah, uh, I'm into it, honestly. Go ahead, Tom. Well, Earthbound was one that they also added to the Wii U Virtual Console, right? And when they added it to the Virtual Console, everyone was, like, very excited that they did have that. So I think that it is also one of those ones that, like, it's one of those instances with the Virtual Console being not existing anymore where we're like, well, we had it before. Can we have can we have it again, please? Like, you know, we, like people are missing that it, it's gone. Um, I loved Joe and Mac when I was a kid. I played a ton of Joe and Mac. And then also I didn't know that I played Spanky's Quest until I just was watching this trailer again. And I was like, I remember that monkey bouncing balls fighting an apple. I did that. <laughs> yeah. I, when it comes I to, realize. I, you go ahead, a cat. <laughs> When it comes to Earthbound, it's always been kind of a weird situation for Nintendo because uh, back on the back in the days of the Wii, everybody was wanting it for Virtual Console and it just would not come out. It would not come out. Would it not come out? Finally, it came out on the Wii U. People were very happy. It eventually made it to the 3DS and the SNES Classic. But Nintendo is always so weirdly cagey about Mother and Earthbound and that and those kinds of games. And I don't know if it's a licensing thing or what, but yeah. Wait, can I, I do I something just, mean? Yeah. Are you just gonna Earthbound? Um, Wait, it's out of focus, but it's there. I promise. <laughs> Earthbound on Switch. Oh, oh my god! Oh, there you go. You. All right. Um, You're evil. <laughs> Tom just took an Earthbound cartridge and physically put it on top of his Nintendo Switch. For those of you who are listening, because I'm for mean. That <laughs> See, it's so easy, Nintendo. Just do that. Oh my goodness. I, I just wanted to mention, like, I, I'm realizing now with all of these games coming out and everyone talking, it's like, oh, I played that as a kid. Uh, child me did not ask for enough things. I should have asked for more things. I had the Lion King and the Super Mario World and the Mario Collection. That is literally it. Those are all the games that I ever had. I never asked for anything else. I am disappointed in child me for not asking for more things like, hey, let's go to the game store and get new games. No, I was happy with playing The Lion King 12,000 times. Wow. Disappointed in myself. Did you finish it? Because that's one of the most notoriously hard games. I did finish it. Wow. That's why I did, because I had no other games. Well done. (laughs) But I feel. Meanwhile, I'm the weirdo over here being like, why don't they add Bob or Plock to the Nintendo online? (laughs) (laughs) I don't. That was also trending on Twitter. What is that? Yeah. What is that? Bob is one. Bob is one where you're an you're like a a robot going through like it's like a side scrolling platformer shooter. That is one of my favorite classic, probably not very good Super Nintendo games that I just remember from my childhood. And then Plock is a game about a guy who uh, his hands and legs are disconnected from his body and his underwear is stolen. And so he has to go on a journey across the world to find no, his flag, the flag in front of his house and the underwear is, is never mind. What? Uh, and, yeah. And it's like a platformer where you can throw your arms and legs and like, then they can get taken from you. And so like, if you just are like missing your legs, you're just kind of like bouncing along as a body. It's like a very weird game, but it's actually really fun. Or I remember it being very fun. Sure, that's not a body horror. 
He's like a concept. Yeah, he's like a yeah. very, he's a little cartoony dude. He's not like a human looking dude. Okay, I believe you. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack back there, Tom. Yeah, thank you for right. that. <laughs> so I guess my question is like, now that there are there will be more than a hundred classic games on the Nintendo Switch Online um, classic games system, are you taking advantage of everything that it's offering? Oh, heck yeah. I play my Nintendo. I play both the SNES and the NES app all the time. Um, I especially like Super Mario All-Stars or uh, Super Ghouls and Ghosts because I don't know, like there will be times where I'll just be like, I, I need a chaser and I'll hop into one of those things and play a retro game that I really enjoy. Unfortunately, I'm like one of the two people I know who actually do play those apps on a super regular basis. This is strictly secondhand, but my understanding is that not a lot of people actually play games on those, which is really disappointing because it makes me worry at times that Nintendo will just get bored and give up. But what we're seeing, I think the fact that we see so many deep cuts and there's not a huge amount of effort to put the really big games out there, like I'm sure a lot of people would be really thrilled to have, for example, Square Enix RPGs available through uh, SNES Classic Online. But Nintendo is probably going, well, it's just not worth the expenditure of effort to get these games on here because nobody is playing these. We'll just cater to the crazy hobbyists like Kat, who wants to play Magical Drop 2. I wonder if it has to do with the way they are sort of, you know, uh, compartmentalized within the app. Like, I, I feel like on the virtual console, uh, you would look at a big logo on the homepage of your Wii or your Wii U and you or your, you know, your 3DS. And you would go, hey, uh, you know, Super Mario World or Super Ghouls and Ghosts, one of my favorite like old school games of all time. Um, I'm going to play that. Whereas you see the Super Nintendo controllers and you're like, well, there's like, a, I don't know, like 70 games in there. What's. You open it up and it's like, you know, these huge tiles, they're all like in different shapes. And you're like, I'm, oh, there's new ones. Where do I start? Like, I, yeah. I don't know how to solve for that. I like outside of folders or something, but you don't actually, you know, you're, it would be where to put these games in folders because they're all contained within one app. I, th I feel like a lot of games that have sort of like a, a collection aspect to them um, suffer from the same issue. Now, I was going to mention a very similar thing, Brian. I desperately want to be able to customize my home screen for my switch because i'm one of those people if i don't see it i kind of forget that it exists yeah and that's the case with like everything like literally everything like if i put a pair of pants like somewhere that i just don't look at all the time i'm going to forget that i own that pair of pants and i will buy another one down the line that's almost exactly the same like i need to be able to see things to remember that they are there and that is the same thing or games unless it's something that's always on the top of my mind and there's not a whole lot of space for things always on the top of my mind so i need no, that it's, it's like I need why that you have visual. Your, your canned goods are at the back of your pantry there's like weird stuff at the back of your fridge and like when you go to make lunch today you're not going to be like let's check what's at the very back of my fridge or like you no. know the deep the bottom drawer of the freezer like that's i feel like a lot of switch games go there because you know by nature of whatever you're playing is fresh and new the squares push the old squares down until they're off the front page and then they're they're dead forever. <laughs> I just and I just like don't I just don't remember them. I just don't. And it's weird because the demos that you download will push those off as well. And the demos will take up a square and that I don't know. I, I think if I was able to customize my screen and then have those two, the NES and the SNES apps always in the forefront, I would check them way more often than i do now because right now i have to go and like look for them and 
I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm really lazy <laughs> and I don't want to look for them in that huge list I have going on in my games. But I'd love if at the very least you could keep them as like the little circles on the bottom and get rid of I yes. think there's like an online button there or like a, a news button. Like I don't need those things necessarily. I personally would rather customize that and pop in NES and SNES logos down there and be like, oh, and they blink when there's new games. There. That would we're be solving perfect. It. We're solving everything today. Yeah, that is the perfect solution. That is what I want. I would use those apps way more often if I had a visual reminder every time I turned on my Switch, like, mm -hmm. hey, use this thing. <sighs> I so. think they would be really helpful if you could have a direct shortcut to a game that you want on mm -hmm. your actual lineup of games. So instead of having to click into the Super Nintendo app, I could, for example, put Super Metroid just right there on the screen, right next to Breath of the Wild, so it doesn't feel as compartmentalized. And mm -hmm. that, I think that would help the visibility issue a lot, because I agree, it is a real out of sight, out of mind issue. Um, I use my SNES app all the time, so it's always like right there mm -hmm. uh, for me. But I know for a lot of people, that simply isn't the case. I, I know I'm going to get a lot of crap for this in the comments, so just, I don't know, forgive me in advance. It's just, it's a me problem. I recognize that it is a me problem that the out of sight, out of mind thing is so, such a problem with me. So I understand that that is not your problem and you use it just it's, fine. It's that's, not that's a you totally problem. Valid. It's, I'm the weirdo who plays it. <laughs> like most people do not play this thing. And I did want to ask the audience, like, do you, you actually take full advantage of all of these games available to you if you subscribe to Nintendo Switch Online? Please let us know in the comments below. I'm very interested to know, like, how many people have discovered games they would have never known existed and found new favorites? Because I think that's a, this is a really great discovery tool for classic games mm -hmm. that I'm not using enough and I should. But let's move on to some games out this week. We yes, we're bringing this topic back for this week as Tom is on and he's very kind to fill some stuff out as well as Kat. And there are quite a few games out this week, including SnowRunner. Uh, Tom, if you would just like to take it over, because these were your sure. picks. Besides, yeah. The only thing I would have put on here is Baldur's Gate. So take so it away. SnowRunner Snow is is like the weirdest pitch for a game that is actually very fun. It's a sequel to Spin Tires Mud Runner, and it's literally just like a trucking kind of simulator sort of the right but also wrong word. Um, it's incredibly physics based. So like all the mud and snow simulations are like incredibly in depth. And literally, it's just a game about like doing deliveries. But it's way more fun than that, because you unlock new areas, new maps, new trucks as you go. And it's just this really fun challenge of like driving from point A to point B, but that being like really like a fun sort of physics-y terrain puzzle. Because if you get stuck in the snow or stuck in the mud, then you might have to like attach a winch to a tree to pull yourself out or like maybe you'll have to like restart part of the run. It's just really, really fun. And this includes a lot of the DLC. This is also just a game I wanted to call out because it's one I didn't really expect to ever come to switch it is uh it's a really pretty game i haven't played it on switch myself but it's a really pretty game it's a really physics heavy game so like it's just really this is a very unique thing on the switch so any driving game kind of fans or like that sort of thing i think should definitely take a look at it tom oh, have you seen you. the movie sorcerer no it's like a i believe 70s or 80s uh sort of like action drama movie about a bunch of guys on a truck delivering a bunch of TNT and they're driving through the jungle. 
and they basically <laughs> have to cross rope bridges. And it's, uh, I believe Kojima was inspired by it for some aspects of Death Stranding, which is, you know, has a lot of that sort of build a bridge, carry a bunch of junk over it. Hopefully you don't fall. Um, but yeah, check it out if you like uh, precarious trucks <laughs> driving over natural elements. It's called Sorcerer? Yeah, which yeah. makes it sound like it's a fantasy movie, but it's very, not, very not. <laughs> Lies. Also out this week is Sunless Skies Sovereign Edition out on the 19th for $25. Dom, you described this as a top-down adventure exploration game where you were the captain of a space train. Space train! Yeah. Uh, this is a sequel to Sunless Sea, um, and it's basically just a very sort of like dark story-driven adventure game that's all done from a top-down perspective where you're like the captain of a space ship, but the ship is a train, and it's it's very, very aesthetically cool. Um it's a really fun one. It's I like it actually more than Sunless Sea as well, because I think that they made some of the combat and that sort of thing a little more engaging. Um, and I also just love the idea that you are the captain of a space train. That is a hard thing to to pass for me. OK, space train. Got you. You got me. And the next one on this list, I'm going to be playing this tonight. I am excited. It's Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance out on the 20th for thirty dollars. Um, you know, when I first read about this, I heard that there wasn't going to be couch co-op, but now I'm hearing that there is only couch co-op. I guess I will find out specifically when I play it tonight and I'll come back next week to tell you about it. But this is a um, a re-release of an older Baldur's Gate, uh, like hack and slash type game with co-op. And yeah, it's a classic of action RPGs. A lot of people love Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance and... Who knows if it does, if it's successful enough, Dark Alliance 2 might also get a re-release. And this is also like, this re-release came out of nowhere, but is, aren't they like making a Dark Alliance new, like a new Dark Alliance they game? rebooting it. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So I think that must be why it's like, just sort of like came out all of a sudden. Hey, Baldur's Gate's back in because Baldur's Gate 3 is under development. That's true. We're embarking on the Summer of Dritz from <laughs> Wizards of the Coast. Right. Yeah, I just it's all D&D all the morning. time. I'm excited. Yep. My, my mm -hmm. like all of my main campaigns I've ever played in, like Baldur's Gate, was always been the main city. We should, we should I should pay more attention to Waterdeep next time. Let's give us a, <laughs> give us a Waterdeep game. But yeah, excited for that. Also out this week is Metopia out on the twenty first for fifty dollars. I'm sure everyone listening to this episode already knows how Reb feels about this. Uh, she hates it. <laughs> is, is there anyone on the on the panel today that disagrees with her? <laughs> Does she she hates well, the idea of the game or the price. Oh no, it's just kind of a boring RPG. Yeah, it's it's a fairly generic RPG ultimately, mm -hmm. which is kind of by design. The stars of the game are the Mies that you're like yeah. creating. It's kind of a weird throwback because Mies haven't been in style for Nintendo for quite a long time. So it's a very random re-release. But I it mean Metopia kind of had a moment where it was going viral a little bit because people were making they they really added to the character creators so people were really adding or creating some really fantastic characters we did a little roundup gallery over at, at IGN and then they added some extra things like there's a little bit of a persona element in the switch version of Metopia where instead of building up relationships with other Mies in the inn, you can now go to like movie theaters and that kind of thing. So Mies having dates, maybe kissing, that kind of thing. Oh, hey. And and also there's a horse. Now there's a horse that you yeah. can recruit. So it's also a horse. Dating and horses. Yeah, that's all you need. All, and it's, a bit steep at 50, it's a bit steep at $50. Yeah. And I don't 
really think that I'm going to pick it up. It's such a weird artifact that it's almost like, why is Nintendo putting this out? But well, people are having fun with the demo, at least. Yeah. Yeah. If you are interested, there is that free demo. So go check that out. And if you really, really love it, like, I don't know, maybe maybe give it a shot. I would say, like, you could always wait for a sale. But what are what are the chances? I think those are pretty slim. But there are a couple of other games out this week that are a little bit smaller, but still worth mentioning, including Aerial Knights Never Yield out on the 19th for $12. Tom, what is Aerial Knights Never Yield? This is kind of like a bit trip runner style run, jump, dodge game where you're running to the right. But it's um, from a really cool indie developer who we featured. I think we featured him or featured this game through Gamescom last year. Um then it just like is a really great style. It's got a great soundtrack. It's just a very cool looking one of those. I haven't had a chance to play it myself yet, though. And uh, what about Layers of Fear 2 out on the 20th for $30? Just today. I, I don't like spooky games, so <laughs> this is one I have not played. But this came out in, I believe, 2019 and is a pretty well liked uh, scary horror adventure type game. Mm-hmm. I played this one. Uh, I liked it. I I love spooky games, so I'm weird, but <laughs> I'm into it. Uh, hopefully the Switch port runs well. I haven't checked yet. Oh. And last on this list is Rise of the Slime. I actually heard some people talking about this in the Nintendo Voice Chat podcast forums on Facebook. Please join if you're interested. Saying that if you like Slay the Spire, you might like this game. So I, I know literally nothing about it beyond that. It, it's been in early access on Steam for a little while, and it just left early access, which is why it's also hitting Switch. Um, it's like, yeah, it's, the Slave Spire comparison is really spot on, not to, you know, sell them short or anything. Um, it's just a very good kind of touch point for that. And it's, the, the difference is that it's got a little bit of like side scrolling adventuring going on. So it's not just like, I don't mean to imply it's just a ripoff, but it is, you know, a deck building, dungeon crawling battle card battler game. Like, not sure if there. Oh, there is a demo out on Nintendo for the Nintendo Switch. So, go in and check that out for sure. And those are all the games we thought were worth mentioning that are out this week. Those games were Snow Runner, Sunless Skies, Sovereign Edition, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, Metopia, Aerial Knights Never Yield, Layers of Fear Two, and Rise of the Slime. Now let's move on to games that we have already been playing. Uh, Cat, let's start with you. Well, I've been playing Famicom Detective Club. I just started it up last night. And ultimately, it's a fairly simple visual novel that harkens back to the days of the NES. Uh, The things so here are the things that I find really interesting about it. First of all, I love the animation. It is just gorgeous. It has a lot of character to it. I love how firmly set it is in Japan. And when I compare it to other visual novels, it just really leaps out and just having the characters doing things and seeing the like nicely kind of lush watercolor animations in the background. It's just, it's really great. And I just want to just kind of settle in and play this wonderful little visual novel. And it's a throwback to the days of the NES in the sense that I remember reading import columns on like Nintendo power and they would often highlight games like Famicom Detective Club because the idea of having a visual novel on the NES was a really foreign concept to a lot of Americans. So I'm really happy that we've finally gotten to the point where games like Famicom Detective Club can be remade and come out here in the U.S. 
And beyond that, I'm playing, I'm still playing Monster Hunter Rise. I am playing Monster Hunter Rise forever, but I finally just got to high rank seven. So it won't be long before I am starting to get to the end game, which is great because in about a week, I think they're going to formally reveal all of the end game for Monster Hunter Rise. And we can really start digging into that next rank. It's I, I'm desperate to get to Master Rank for heaven's sake. <laughs> And uh, Brian, what are you playing? Uh, I'm playing a game on Switch called, this sounds like a joke. It's a, This is a real title. Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion. <gasps> yeah. Oh, <laughs> how is it? I've been looking at it. I just, I just beat that over the weekend, actually. Yeah. Isn't it, isn't it adorable? Uh, it is um, sort of like a bite-sized, uh, sort of a little hack and slashy, but kind of more Zelda-like. It's It's got some sort of environmental puzzles. You go around this uh bizarre town and just kind of talk to weird strangers most of them are are, are variations of different talking vegetables um you get obtuse weapons and do weird quests uh and fight bosses like pigs and stuff like that uh it's it's really really cute um i i don't really know what to make of it i don't know how this game came together it has one of the most sort of bizarre titles i've ever I, like the, it's almost like they specifically were like how do we make this title confusing um but yeah it is about a turnip that commits uh tax fraud um and has to you know basically bring a town together uh solve a bunch of mysteries and do puzzles and i think continue to commit uh tax evasion as he goes on so yeah this is a this is a fun little game you can probably finish it in a few hours uh it's if you're looking for sort of like a something to kind of scratch that 2d top-down zelda itch uh this will do it for you the pixel art's fun um, I'm not crazy about the music and I feel like, really? the, uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not, I'm not really, I, some of it's really good. Some of it's like very lo-fi hip hop, but some of yeah. it's a little, a little bizarre for me. Um, but yeah, all in all, like this is, this is a very like awesome little surprise. I was not expecting to like this game so much. So check it out. Yeah, I, I can agree. I talked about it a little bit last week, but I, I really enjoyed it and I, I I finished it. I actually went back and finished it. Usually a lot of times when I play a game just to check it out and see how it is. I, I, I don't finish games, but I went back and finished it all on my own time. Just like I had free time. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to finish Turnip Boy. And I did. And the second to last boss was actually really hard, <laughs> but I did it. Um, and yeah, that's I don't know. It was good. I recommend it. It was very funny. I laughed out loud, loud many, many times. Mm -hmm. uh, Brian, have you been playing anything else? No, just uh, Resident Evil 8. <laughs> For like the third or fourth time I really like that <laughs> cool. love the werewolves and and everything good time go play it if you have the option to do that <laughs> tom what have you been playing uh i've been jumping around to a lot of non-tendo stuff obviously i said i was playing hollow knight but i'm playing that on ps5 just because it's a platform i have not played hollow knight on yet of which i am running out of those so figured why not um uh, I'm also playing through Mass Effect Legendary Edition, which is also not on Switch. I'm playing through Persona 5 Royal, which is also, to everybody's chagrin, not on Switch. Um, and I'm dipping into Monster Hunter Rise occasionally, but I kind of did all the stuff that came in the last update and, like, hit another wall and was like, all right, I'll just, I'll come back to this when the next thing comes out at the end of this month. Um, but one thing I did want to kind of report on, which isn't on Switch yet, is Getsu Fumiden came out on... Uh, PC in early access, which is the new Konami game that they I know new Konami game that uh, they revealed in a that recent switch like showcase. Um, so they revealed this in a Nintendo showcase, but it's 
out. I think they said it's going to be in early access for like a year. And it's like a it's a follow up to an NES game. It's like a successor sequel sort of blend of a thing. Um, And it's like a roguelite kind of like Dead Cells style platformer combat game with just this beautiful art style. Um, I haven't played a ton of it yet. I'm I'm still early on, uh, but it seems pretty cool so far. Like it it's it's surprise. It's really really pretty. Uh, it's very challenging. The it feels pretty good to play. It seems like it's got a lot of really cool sort of aspects to it. Little rough around the edges, um, especially in some of the sort of tutorialization and some of the menu stuff. Definitely has some rough edges here and there, but it is an early access game. Um, and I'm just sort of excited to see where this goes, and I'm excited to see it eventually come to the Switch because it's just like, like it's it's really unexpected. I guess is the thing that I took away from it more than anything else. Yeah, what an interesting deep cut from Konami. Yeah. I kind of love that it's come around, and I was never expecting a game like this to come out. But man, I'm watching the trailer right now, and this game looks really, really good. Is it every bit as good in action when you're actually playing it as it looks in the trailer? It feels really f- the the controls that like for your actual controls it feel really really good. Like they actually does like the dodge feels nice, the jumping, the combat feels fine. The thing I didn't I haven't played enough of it to get a sense of it. It does feel a little bit like the enemies are a little hard to read and kind of have a lot of health, but that could just be me being early on, right? Like I I don't know enough to say yet. What I've played so far feels challenging but pretty cool i think the level design is also a little simple but again i'm only really seeing the first world so like it's hard for me to really judge that at this point um another cool thing that uh, came out of this is if you buy it in early access and this is not me saying go buy it in early access this is just a cool thing is um if you buy it in early access on steam it automatically adds the original nes gets to your steam account as a separate application Mm. Um, and I looked it up, and this is the first time that this game has ever been available outside of Japan. So wow. they've they've brought it to the virtual console on Wii U and 3DS, but it was um, only available in Japan because it's only ever been a Famicom game. And it's like even this version in the US or in this re-release is um, is in Japanese. Like it's not translated. But this is the first time you've ever been able to like legally officially acquire this game outside of japan the original famicom getsufumiden and it's like basically from the little bit i played of it and i did not play much because it's very uh let's be kind and say retro um it's basically just like a very japanese like castlevania it's like kind of it's kind of neat but also very very old (laughs) cool i mean the art looks fantastic Mm. sorry cat what were you gonna say between Getsu Fumiden, Famicom Detective Club, and uh, Magical Drop 2, it's real Japanese import week over here on Nintendo Voice Chat. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. And I was, I, I should have mentioned this before, but I, I did briefly mention I also started Famicom Detective Club. And one of the cool things they implemented in that is you can actually change the music back to the original uh, arrangement. So you can switch back and huh. forth between the the remix and like the, the new the new arrangement and the original one and it's just it's just really cool hearing the difference between the two and i'm glad that they included that and they did not do english voice actors but everything is voice acted in japanese and i think it might be interesting if you were trying to learn japanese to play this game and try and like 
use the the translation and the text um while while playing it to kind of like help bolster your language skills might be interesting but i thought the writing was really interesting and it was kind of fun it there's not a whole lot of like gamification in this in this novel to my in my opinion it's kind of a lot of just it will go by a lot more smoothly if you put some thought into your options but if you just keep picking stuff at random you'll eventually be able to move on <laughs> but the story is is really interesting <laughs> Um, I've also been playing Monster Hunter Rise, as Kat and Tom have said, but I haven't finished the the last update's content, and I really need to do that before we get to the new content again. I just haven't had a lot. I've, been, I've still been working on Pokemon Snap Wiki. There just seems to be an endless amount of stuff, and I've been replaying the same missions, the same the same courses over and over and over again, and man, I'm really tired of trying to get Pokemon to do particular things by doing skill shots with things that are not meant to be skill shots. Like, imagine, I don't know, imagine playing Call of Duty and trying to get headshots with a ball that is floaty, and also you're on a moving <laughs> object, and also it changes into a curveball or not a curveball at any moment, but you can't control any of that. You just kind of have to, like, hope it goes where you want it to go. Well, that sounds really intense. I, I play a lot of MLB The Show, and I do challenges where they'll be like, hit three home runs in one game. And I'll be like, yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. So I kind of feel it when you're like kind of struggling to hit those very specific requirements that are not that easy to get. Yeah. And it's, I'm not saying it's the hardest game in the world. It really isn't that hard. It's just mildly annoying when you're trying to do a specific thing and get a specific shot. For, for a wiki and then have to redo it a million times to get something good but anyway those are the games that we were playing we talked about famicom detective club getsu fumadan hollow knight mass effect persona 5 royal monster hunter rise and turnip boy commits taxing really good good array of games here but let's move on to another game for nintendo voice chat called question block where we answer your questions, you being the audience back at home right now, you can always write to us at nvc at IGN.com or answer our question block post on the Nintendo Voice Chat podcast forums on Facebook. This first question from, comes from uh, Guillermo Wagner, and they ask, what is your favorite old slash abandoned Nintendo hardware feature and what game used it best? And they offer some different varieties like Street Pass or Game Boy Advance, GameCube Link, the Super Game Boy Frames, etc. What is everyone's favorite old and abandoned nintendo feature i really miss the miiverse on the wii u it was mm. a very cool little social platform people would draw wonderful little pictures uh use on the message boards and everything and it was just an opportunity for nintendo fans to express their creativity and it kind of bums me out that nintendo switch as much as i love that that console, I really love my Switch. It doesn't have the same social features as the Wii U. So that is maybe one way in which I think the Wii U has bettered the Switch a little bit. And in my heart, I would love to be able to see goofy art on the Miiverse uh, community chat again. Uh, I really liked um, pretty much all of the bells and whistles that the Super Game Boy brought to the table. Uh, it was a really interesting way to play uh, Game Boy games in your obviously, but uh, one of the cool things about it was you could customize the color scheme that you wanted for that, but you could also customize the border and frame around uh, the games themselves. And some games even had, you know, custom color palettes. They had custom frames like, you know, Donkey Kong 94, just one of my favorite games of all time. 
And, you know, they've ported Game Boy games to platforms over the last few years. Uh, most recently, the 3DS was the last time that game had a like pretty significant Game Boy library, and I bought most of them. Um, and there was really no way to, like, go in and customize the colors. There were different button uh, presses, I believe, that you could do at, at boot up that would allow you uh, slightly different color schemes, but they were all kind of preset. I remember playing Game Boy games and being able to pick out the four colors that you wanted for them and then switching between them, whether like if you're playing like Zelda, you went into a dungeon, you could switch to like more kind of like bluish and brown colors. But if you're outside, you could switch to greens and stuff like that. And I really like that. Like it was a really cool feature, but um, it's, you know, they've kind of abandoned it ever since. What about you, Tom? Street Pass was great, definitely. I liked Street Pass, but I think as weird as this is, my choice is going to be the Wii U gamepad. <laughs> what? Um, yeah, what? Tom, explain yourself. Do you want a Switch I... that you can't play more than 10 feet away from <laughs> your TV? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I think that the Wii U gamepad opened the door for, specifically with Nintendo Land, some of the best asymmetrical multiplayer games ever created. Um, Mario Run and that Luigi thing, ghost hunting game, are just like some of the most fun I've literally ever had with other people sitting around a TV. Um, and the I, I'm I'm sad that that console didn't get more of a chance because I think it was the only gaming system that could and the switch could do this with connecting and multiple switches but the only kind of single gaming system that could allow experiences like that in a local setting where information was hidden from one player and not the others and or or hidden from some players and not one um and yeah i just regret that that that's my biggest my biggest disappointment with the wii u dying the way it did not saying that it was this amazing system that should have lived forever or anything but like it was in a position to do things that no other console could do or could have could do before or after and and i'm sad about that because i think that nintendo land while it had some some misses had some really really big hits too um, I totally agree with you. And you're giving me so much nostalgia for Animal Crossing Sweet Days, which my friends and I called Puke and Run because you're always puking up the little fruits. Uh, yeah. What a wonderful game. And to piggyback on that a little bit, I really miss the second screen on the Nintendo DS for kind of similar mm. reasons that you were talking about. It's not the asymmetrical play so much as we're just losing gameplay opportunities. One of my favorite games on the Nintendo DS and 3DS is Etrian Odyssey. And one of the big questions that people are constantly asking is, when are we going to be able to get Etrian Odyssey on the Nintendo Switch? Well, that's really hard because we don't have a second screen. So as right. much as I love the Switch, we're kind of losing those opportunities, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, I think some of this, not for every game, but some of this could be solved by kind of making you use another switch to play i know that sounds totally. terrible and but i think that's a better yeah. solution than not having the option at all but we i know we could get into this conversation a whole lot more but unfortunately that is all of the time we have left for nintendo voice chat this week if you're listening to us on your favorite podcasting platform like spotify or apple i implore you to go check us out on ign games youtube channel and see the video version and see all the cool gameplay and other things you couldn't otherwise see like us we're not we're not that cool but our backgrounds are so come check us out every thursday at 3 p.m pacific time and remember nintendo voice chat is the only place you can get the thing
Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.